Day before Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Kyle. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, RHR 19. Talk right in the front of that thing there. All right. Yeah. I was supposed to have a fucking busy-ass day today. We were supposed to hit the pod. The Nelk boys were... I don't know if they're in town, but they were going to set up their studio at the gym and do a podcast, which would have been pretty cool. And then I was going to hit mitts with Sean. And then... uh, and then I got to teach tonight. So I was supposed to have a pretty busy day, but I guess uh, Bob Minery, the Nelk Boys guy, he got food poisoning, so they had to cancel the pod. Sugar's a little bit too sore, so we're not doing mitts. So my ba- day went to being real busy to not super busy, but we're vlogging in the morning. We're going to go do a, a, a burrito review at this modern Slapfish Modern Seafood Shack. Uh, me and Dallas are going to go do a little burrito review um, for the Patreon and then meet with my buddy and talk about some NFT stuff. He's a real techie guy, ahead of the times. He's going to talk about some NFT and some metaverse stuff. You been hearing any things about that shit, Kyle? Metaverse? A little bit. Mainly from your guys, the Timbo Sugar Show, I think, is what I've seen the most. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, dude. And I, I'm tr- trying to invest in some NFT, like NFTs, non-fungible tokens i don't really want to go into those because people can google it and figure out a lot better than i can explain it but dude some of those fucking bored apes some of those bored apes these bored apes nfts these specific ones were a thousand bucks not long ago and now they're selling on there for 200 grand 300 grand man uh they're they're turning over fast but uh sugar and i got one of these ones called gambling apes and the owners of these gambling apes co-own a casino that's being built in the metaverse right now. And it opens December 17th. And like all the the profit that they make from this casino, 70% of the profit goes out to all the gambling ape holders. Wow. And only the gambling ape holders can gamble there for free. So I was like, fuck, it's expensive. And it's kind of like scary buying one because I spent like almost four grand on it. And it could just tank and not be worth a shit. But it could also just shoot up and be like one of those bored apes or one of those other apes and sell for a lot. But it's crazy that these JPEGs are going for that much. And now this metaverse is going to be crazy. You hear all these these smart people like Gary Vee goes off about it, about the future's going to be the metaverse. Like, all these kids live online. They're constantly on their iPads. They're constantly playing Fortnite. They're constantly doing all this stuff. Like... There's people buying land in the metaverse, but I wonder if it's going to lead to more. I'm already kind of seeing this as people wanting to just kind of go into the woods and live like Emerson, just in a cabin. You know what I mean? That people are just so immersed into the virtual reality and the videos that they just want to kind of tap out and get into. There's just a craving for that. (laughs) Dude, it's, I feel like it's not, I don't know, maybe it will be good, but I feel like, okay, you get these get these dopamine hits for shit you do. Maybe shit you do in the metaverse. You get these dopamine hits from looking at porn. 
And then that kind of shit they were talking about. I forgot what podcast they were talking about it. But when you don't have like you look at porn and you don't have that connection with an actual human, it kind of leads to depression. Like the human connection, getting these dopamine hits without of it leads to people getting depressed. And you can see that and it kind of makes sense. But it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy, and that's why I'm trying to not be fucking dumb and look ahead and maybe start investing shit, smart into NFTs and the metaverse. But it's kind of scary. Like I've already lost probably a thousand dollars fucking up, uh, buying those, buying a fake one, um, not knowing about like gas fees. Anytime you make a transaction with the Ethereum and stuff on the blockchain, you have to pay for gas fees, which have been expensive, but. Um, but it's good. Every time I've lost money um, doing it, I've been figuring shit out and getting more comfortable checking it out and seeing what NFTs are going to go up, see what NFTs are going to go down. You can kind of see the pattern based on the activity on this OpenSea site. But it's pretty complicated shit, but it's pretty sweet also. But this is my buddy, uh, my student, one of my friends for a long time, uh, Kyle. Kyle's been on the pot, the Timbo Sugar Show pod before. It was one of our one of our really good episodes on the Timbo Sugar Show. If you want to go rewatch that, but yeah, Kyle's the fucking man. Such a tough motherfucker. Just brings good good energy into the gym all the time. Um, everyone that comes in the door, he welcomes them, makes them feel at home, and starts talking to them. It's just a just a good dude. Have you always been like super personable like that? No, I think that. It was 10 years ago when I got diagnosed with cancer. I think it really changed me. I think it changed my personality. I was kind of more of a just doing my thing, focused on my career and, you know, the, the, the typical life that people are chasing. And I think once cancer hit, I had to make a decision. Do I want to withdraw and just cut everything out and not burden anybody? Or did I want to reach out and just start smiling and connecting with everybody. So I made the decision that I was going to, you know, wherever I was in the hospital, if I'm, you know, at the store, I'm going to try to connect and reach out. And it seemed to just carry good health. And the more I've noticed I've withdrawn and working with other patients and isolate, uh, I've noticed that that has been less healthy. And it's, everything's very sensitive for me. So if I increase my stress in any way, it's going to show up more. So I just noticed that that, that kind of those kind of healthy habits, I believe, were, were really important. So it just kind of carried forward. But thanks for saying that. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking, that's good shit. It reminds me of this, uh, my buddy Rob Emerson gave me this book, the psychology book. It's about, I think, over 100 different psychologists throughout history, throughout the past 200 years and ideas that they brought about. And it's a really sweet book. Easy read. You can go to each chapter and see what these psychologists, different ideas they had. But this one... This guy named Boris Cyrillink, uh, he was born in 1937. And, uh, okay, it says, Our history does not determine our destiny. Bad things happen, and you can, there's, there's two options. You can feel crushed and inadequate and continue to suffer. Or you can accept the challenge and move forward with your life. He says, When tragedy strikes, some people are devastated, unable to summon their coping mechanisms. They fall deep into deep depression and despondency, sometimes losing hope and even the will to carry on. They may become entirely preoccupied with the disaster and suffer nightmares, flashbacks, anxiety attacks. Other people, however, react differently. They seem to manage not only the normal ups and downs of their lives, but also potentially overwhelming losses and traumas. Instead of becoming depressed and unable to cope, somehow they are able to deal with painful circumstances and move on. Boris is interested in the difference of the reaction. 
to find out why some people are so deeply affected while others seemingly able to bounce back. He has devoted his career to the study of psychological resilience. Resilience is not a quality inherent within a person. Boris found, but one that builds through a natural process. He says that alone a child has no resilience. It is an interaction, a relationship we build. Resilience from developing relationships. We are cons cons constantly knitting ourselves from people and situations that we encounter. Through the words we exchange and feelings that arise, we might feel that if one stitch is dropped, our lives will unravel. In fact, if just one stitch holds, we can start over again. Positive emotions and humor are key factors in resilience. Boris' research has shown that people who are better able to cope with life's difficulties or traumas are able to find meaning in hardship, seeing it as useful and enlightening experience. And even to find ways to laugh, resilient people always remain able to see how things may turn out for the better in the future, even in, even if the present is super painful. Um, meaning the challenge. Uh, there's like one more paragraph I'll just read here. It had previously been thought that people who show more resilience are less emotional in general. But uh, Boris believed that the pain is no less for resilient people than it is for others. It is a matter of how they choose to use it. The pain may continue even over a whole lifetime, but for these people it raises a challenge that they decide to meet. The challenge is to overcome what has happened, to find strength in the experience instead of letting it defeat them, and to use the strength to move defiantly forward. Given the right support, children are especially capable of complete recovery from trauma. Boris has shown that human brain is malleable and will recover if allowed. The brain of traumatized child shows shrinkage of the ventricles and cortex. But where the child is well supported and loved after trauma, brain scans have shown the brain to be capable of returning to normal within a year. Boris stresses the importance of not labeling children who have suffered trauma, thereby sidelining them to seamlessly hopeless future. Trauma consists of the injury and the representation of the injury. Enduring humiliating adult interpretations of events can be the most traumatic experience. Labels, he says, can be more damaging and damning than the experience. Uh, resilience is a person's ability to grow in the face of terrible problems. Hmm. So, ten, like, okay, so ten years ago, you did you just go into the doctor for no reason? No, I was, uh, <clears throat> I was working and just exercise therapy and just around a lot of healthy people, and I started to get sick more often and started to get a little lump in my neck and. I I had I knew nothing about cancer or chemo or any of that stuff and I just felt people had told me and what I'd heard on TV and things is that chemo kills so why would I do why would I go to the doctor for this this is something I can beat on my own so I just kind of worked out extra hard and went vegan tried all these different uh, supplements and things and this thing just kept growing and I got sicker so eventually I had to go in and. Initially, the doctor, uh, I had a surgeon, he sat me down and said I had six months to live. And he was just very adamant about that six months. And I was like, wait, what do you what do you mean? You know, I've seen people beat cancer all the time and uh, come to find out he's a surgeon. He's not trained in delivering that news. And I believe nobody should ever give uh, a diagnosis of a sentence of what a you know, fucking dude. <laughs> Did you ever talk to him again? I've, I've thought about going back. I'm working on a book, so I may have to go back and like get his permission or something. I He's got a 
got pretty unhealthy guy. In fact, I had him in a surgery and he was cursing at the nurses and stuff. So just to... <laughs> Well, you can even like with those guys, it's like they're just so not attached to emotionally to any patient. So That's they true. just say whatever yeah. the fuck they want. Yeah. So it's like almost even pointless to even waste we your energy on. We might need that guy to be like that so he can do crazy good surgery and he's just messed up everywhere else <laughs> yeah so he said that you found out you you only had because you have three kids now that's right you only had kyle jr at the time i had kyle and luke they were one and two i think at the time and then this guy this doctor comes in you go to get checked up and he says you have cancer and you probably have six months to live yeah yeah what the fuck? i know and then right? when you left the <laughs> left then what was it were you just like uh actually so after that it, after he had told us that it turned out to be a mistake and that there was a that I had a little bit better chance. It was still just all over my body and my lymph nodes and stuff. So it kind of gave us, it, you know, it, was a, it gave us a little bit better news. But I was just, I was just in shock. I just stayed up straight for three days searching the internet, trying to find out how I could, you know, beat this thing. Is it going to kill me? Looking up odds and just in total shock. And it wasn't really until I, I shifted and a, a friend that I connected with online, he, he told me, Kyle, just have a beer, smoke a blunt, and and just eat something, eat some pizza tonight. Stop worrying so much. Stop trying to, you know, do everything perfect. And I did that. I felt good. I got a good night of sleep. And then I just said, all right, let's, let's get to work. Let's start reaching out. Let's figure out how we can beat this thing. Yeah. Fuck, man. That was good. Good advice from a friend. But so how do they decide they look in it and how do they decide? Cause it's terminal cancer. What does terminal cancer mean? Terminal cancer means there's no cure for it, that you're, you're going to pass, you're going to die. Uh, you know, usually they can kind of have an idea. Usually once you're terminal, it's pretty tough to make it past a year or two. Does it, is it, and is it terminal because there's so much of it in your body? There's so much and they just don't have any, any kind of remedy for it. There's no, no one remedy for, you know, fortunately today, like so much of cancer and it's getting better and better that there's cures out there for us. There's medical, medical cures. And I have a blood cancer, which there's, there's never been anybody who survived it without medical um, without medical uh, therapy. But there's other cancers where if you get stage zero colon cancer, for example, there's been some survivors, they were able to kind of, kind of avert it. But so they're search, are they, is it like, probably obviously, because it changed the world actually searching for ways you can like heal the, so you've had terminal cancer for 10 years? Yes. Yeah. And then how much do you have to do chemo just to you do the chemo just to stay alive so there's there's been we've tried like every every possible thing so we started with a standard chemo there's kind of like a a process for the kind of lymphoma that i have that they start with this so there's a blend of four chemos they start you with you go through the cycles they scan you usually uh they're successful with that i fell into the group where it wasn't successful so we had to keep trying different treatments so we went on to radiation, different chemos. We went through bone marrow transplants, which is just a, that world is completely crazy. Fuck. <laughs> but that's, bone marrow transplant is why I'm still under care with bone marrow transplant. And that's, bone marrow transplant is basically the, there's a donor and they donate their stem cells. So the whole process is you go in the hospital, you live in a bubble, they wipe out your immune system with chemo. They hit you enough chemo that would kill you and then, it's a it's a very like difficult process. They the person who donates the stem cells, they're a match and they fly it over to you. You have to get it at the right time. And that helps regrow your stem cells. It changes your blood type, it changes your entire immune system, and then it rebuilds it back. And 
the hope is that that would knock out any lingering cancer and your whole system would be better at that genetic defect that you have. So if you had to explain what it feels like to get chemo, what does it feel like? So there's so many different, there's, there's probably over 200 chemo medicines. And what shocked me when I started researching this stuff is that a number of them come from plants. So like, for example, one of the most popular chemos, vincristine, it comes from the Madagascar periwinkle rose. So that one, that when you, when you experience some of the chemos, there'll be blends of chemo. It might be that one plus a couple other chemos that, you know, who, who knows how they figure this stuff out. So a lot of it came from, uh, I believe a lot of it came from testing in Nazi Germany because they were able to test on humans a lot more. So the current chemo that I'm on right now comes from mustard gas. They used it in war before. And then somebody here in the United States figured out that if they derive it into an infusion, that it can kill cancer. It's just finding They had to find that right level where it doesn't kill the person, but it kills the cancer. So you can end up feeling across the spectrum. You can immediately feel very, very sick. I mean, just mind blowing type of nausea. You feel dizzy and each chemo has different effects. Some of them are really strange. Uh, they do different things to you, but generally you're going to get a pretty good bout of nausea. If you do a, a, uh, an extreme chemo, they have pre-medication that they give you to try to battle all this stuff, but you, th th they're usually cycles. So when you do the chemo, when you start doing the chemo, it might be a three week, the cycle I'm on now is a three week cycle. So when you start, they infuse it with the chemo. This one takes two days of infusions of the chemo drugs. And then that's that mustard gas one. And then you, you get hit with some anti-nauseas and you kind of manage through it. And then your body goes through different changes. Your blood counts drop, your, your, whole, uh, your whole body starts to change. It knocks you down and, you know, it's killing those cancer cells, but it's knocking the other cells down. So you go through different phases of different feelings. Like some days I feel super, like I've been up for three days, feverish. Then other days you're, you know, you get a little boost or whatever. So it's kind of varies, but always yeah. nausea is there. And that nausea is one of the biggest killers in, in cancer because when it gets too intense and you have to rely on more and more drugs, it starts to mess with your heart. So a lot of cancer patients will, their hearts will failure. And the root of it was of course cancer, but then the nausea was just overwhelming. Damn. It was pretty impressive too. You come in and like do the best you can at tra training jujitsu, even fucking fresh after, after a chemo dose. It's like, holy shit. It's so crazy, but it, it's pretty badass. What, what kind of, made you get into jujitsu um i've i've loved fighting since i was a kid just watching it and you know messing around i got i moved i moved to la when i was 20 and i tried to become a pro boxer didn't make it but just have always just loved fighting always wanted to get into it and kind of try and then something would happen excuses or whatever so it just uh everything just fit together with the perfect place i mean what I, made you I, randomly stumble into my gym? I had uh, Kells from our gym. I know his mom through. She's she battled cancer, so I connected with her, and oh, that's he, right. he invited me. And I checked in right. I mean, just right away. I was like, "This place is it's." There's something extremely special about it. Now you came over and talked to me right away. I met met everybody there, and I absolutely just fell in love with everything about training jiu-jitsu mma the, the whole community it's just just been probably it's been the best time of my life no doubt dude fuck yeah that's fucking awesome and then you started to fucking get into some cold plunges yes yeah you, your guys the show has uh really 
I've always been into optimizing health. I think you guys were on Ben Greenfield, right? We had him on ours. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So I've always been kind of studying and into body hacking. Like that's never been into working on cars, but I always wanted to know how can you practical health, how can you improve the health of the human body? So, you know, you guys kind of pushing forward that uh, got me into to just doing it often where I do it six to eight times. But I started doing it probably five years before I met you guys. I would just in winter, I'd jump into the pool and it was the whole concept. Actually, Chael Sonnen had said something about that and uh, how if you do something that's really difficult at the beginning of the day, it makes the rest of the day, the challenges that come, little surprises that happen a lot easier to deal with. So I started doing it, get up at six in the morning before a chemo day, and then I jump and cold plunge and man, it just changes everything. <laughs> Dude, there's just something about like anytime you do something tough, whether it's jujitsu, whether it's a fight, whether it's a cold plunge, any, anything that's tough, there's something about like you're going to have thoughts about quitting in your head and learning to counter those thoughts and preparing yourself to counter those those thoughts. You know what I mean? Especially in the cold plunge, you get in there and all of a sudden your brain's screaming at you, get the fuck out, get out, get out. This is not feel good. Get out, get out, get out. Or when you're really tired in a fight or even a jujitsu match, Especially in front of a crowd, sometimes you kind of have that panic and you want it to be over. You want all the eyes off of you, so you find a way out. Or if you get in a bad spot in jujitsu, or if you get your bell rung uh, sparring in a fight, you have to counter some certain thoughts in your head. And there's something about doing that after you get done countering those thoughts and and persevering through it. There's something about it that like gives you a fucking little true. spark. That is so true, definitely. I think there's something even more special about just rolling with another human just in in combat with that that other person where i don't know there's nothing nothing i've done that's ever been like it in terms of health benefit i'll lately i've been pretty kicked down we've been doing a real rough chemo so sometimes sorry if i'm just all over the place you know kind of the balance and meds and in chemo and stuff but going into the gym i'm kind of weak right now and there's some guys that get it and they'll kind of they'll kind of flow with me and uh, that kind of thing. And other guys don't know. And I, I go in and I just get smashed and yeah. I always feel better after that. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> what the heck? I go home and I, I got my ass kicked today and it somehow I feel better and the chemo sides aren't as bad. <laughs> yeah. Huh. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. So you experience it with many, uh, like, uh, like plant medicine drugs and stuff like weed or mushrooms or anything? Yeah, absolutely. There's, I gotta be real careful. Like I, that's what I've had to learn how to manage too. I think we were, calculating the other day we're up to like 12 million dollars in, in hospital bills that were paid fortunately and covered by insurance but insurance does not not really happy with me continuing to live because you know it's cost cost them a lot of money so that i have to be careful like everything i have to do i run through my doctor and fortunately my doctor it's kind of like that attorney client privilege when i'm with my doctor she works with me as a team we're working together she you know i tell her any everything but uh, things I can't say publicly that I do because of the insurance, but so if, if she's work, on your side, <laughs> oh man, I, yeah, and okay, it, good. That's one good thing too. Is one thing I recommend to everybody is if you got a doctor and you're not feeling great, fire them and you know get a get somebody that works with you. Wh whatever staff it is, you have the ability to fire that doctor. They're not in charge of you. <laughs> Fuck yeah, have a connection with that doctor. That's probably that's probably yeah, important. But if I did do stuff, I would I, uh, definitely marijuana has been just out of all the anti-nausea drugs and there's 
so many IVUs, they develop these amazing drugs that are super expensive, like one is Emen that blocks the vomiting receptors in your brain, so you can't vomit. And that's good because... It's a pill? Yeah, it's a pill. And it's good because when you get really into those deep levels of nausea, if you started vomiting, then you got to go on a feeding tube, and then there's a whole decline started. The problem with it is, is that it allows you to experience just extremely deep levels of you know, uh, nausea that you just can't even, you know, Oof. you get your tequila benders or whatever, but these are, it kind of takes it, here's your tequila bender at the beginning, and then it just starts dropping you down and down into deeper levels of nausea, and it's just like, whoa. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> so I've used, yeah, marijuana. If I were, I would definitely, uh, I think mushrooms combined with, with the other drugs, that is just a, a beautiful whole world that I'm, I've been reading a book by Michael Pollan on, on that, recommend it highly. Um, about the whole psychedelics and how mushrooms uh, can help. But I believe kind of blend, finding that right blend. I use Kratom quite a bit. Kratom has been a big one for me too. So that's a plant. That's a coffee alkaloid. So definitely other plants and drugs. Yeah. I've had to kind of embrace drugs. I never messed with much before until cancer hit. Then I was like, okay, I guess I got to start loving this stuff and just kind of feel like a hippie. I want JX, you've never tried uh, mushrooms, have you? Yeah, I did a long time ago, like when I was probably like 21, 22. Just a little bit? I don't even remember how much I took, but I was tripping like all night, so <laughs> I probably took a good amount because we took it with like peanut butter or like a peanut butter sandwich and we ate it. Mm-hmm. It was me and the girl I was dating at the time and I was just like, we were just in her room and I was just like tripping. I had a bad trip in the beginning. I forgot like what was going through my mind, but it just wasn't like good feelings and then like towards the end when the sun started to come up i was like like super like uh what's the word like in bliss yeah i was just like looking at the sky and like i just started crying but they were like tears of joy Mm -hmm. but like around that time i was eating like shit not working out and it's like my body was telling me like why are you doing this to to me to my body like why are you putting like soda drinking or eating like shit not working out like i don't know just like that whole that's crazy. Ever since then, like, I, I made, like, the switch to kind of get into better, healthy, like, I don't know, my body was just, like, drink water, eat cleaner, and that kind of, like, went into effect towards working out, and then after I started working out, I was, like, I wanted to do jujitsu, so it kind of, like, changed my whole life, just that one trip. That's fucking crazy. So you guys must have took them, like, at midnight or something, huh? Yeah. You just, like, took it kind of late, midnight. and I wasn't Fuck. supposed to take it. She was supposed to take it with a friend, but her friend bailed. So I felt bad. I was like, I'll do it with you. Like, I don't care. Yeah. And she's like, you're supposed to prep like mentally. I was like, no, fuck it. Like, let's just do it. And yeah, that, that whole trip changed my life. I only did it once. That's it. Damn. Well, I got my buddy coming around here soon. We, And he has some quality ones. We got to get some more and do it again. Just a little bit. Yeah. Dolly. I would be interested in like microdosing too. He wouldn't, would he? He just wouldn't explore. <laughs> he has too many demons. <laughs> I don't think he has too many demons. He's got to get over that fear. Oh, I think that's it. <laughs> it just stays quiet. Dude, don't you think you could use... You can kind of get a fill for it with a low dose, though, to kind of like ease yeah. ease into it. It's not like when you get a bad bad weed trip or whatever. I think yeah. it's a little... It's not as not as bad. <laughs> but even with the bad weed trip, it's like you probably smoke too much or there maybe a shitty weed. It's like, mm. okay, if you chug a bottle of vodka, it's going to be a bad <laughs> alcohol trip. Truth. Guaranteed. Truth. But uh, I watched this documentary yesterday about aubrey marcus he went into a i think it was a five day five day silent dark retreat (laughs) Yep, silent dark retreat in a room 
and it's this tiny room where you can go to a shower. There's a little shower. There's a little bathroom. There's a little spot to stretch and move. There's your little bed. Um, and the, yeah, and that's it. That's, that's it. That's amazing. Is that on YouTube or what? It's on his his uh, site, AubreyMarcus.com, for free to watch. It's it's interesting, and he he goes pretty deep about it because he's big on the psychedelics and like ayahuasca trips and stuff. But dude, that's fucking impressive. It's fucking impressive going in a room dark. I did the float tank for two hours, two hours, laying there in the float tank. Well, the first time I did, I did a little mushroom, so that made it a little crazier. But you don't know if it's 15 min- minutes went by or you don't know if it's almost two hours. So that many fucking days just sitting there with yourself in, in your brain and that's all you got is just yourself all of a sudden. It'd be fucking insane. That's like JX is saying it impacted me so much when he told that JX is one of my coaches that I've learned so much from and mm-hmm. just that how, how it cha- you can take it and you can say, oh man, this messed me up. And it's kind of like you were talking about with the resilience before is this messed me up and I'm going to, I'm just going to retreat. I'm, I'm going to think of this as a horrible experience and attach it to just negativity. Instead, JX took it like, Hey, this, I need to make some changes. Like, let, let me explore my mind. Let me see how, what I can do here to make, make some changes out of this whole thing. And man, by the way, this, this guy's got to get on camera more, I think. Well, we used to have the camera on him, and I said, "Hey, I like that one. It's on you the whole time." But he keeps taking it off. He doesn't. He doesn't like it. I keep telling (laughs) him, "Man, this guy belongs in Hollywood, man." (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, when you're doing those psychedelics and shit, it's like it's nice to have someone there to say, "Hey, it's okay. Just let it go. Just let go. Just let it take you. Just enjoy this. Let it take you." It's important to have that. That's why they always say the set and setting with that kind of shit is really important. Right on. Um, yeah. I'm curious what, what you, I kind of hear from your show, you guys, your takes on alcohol. Like it seems like over time it's been, it's been something that's been harder for you to deal with, like your body and stuff and healthy and things. I just, I'm just like, okay, so I'm going to drink. Okay. Nothing wrong with being slow or retarded. There's nothing wrong with it, but I'm going to, I'm going to willingly drink this stuff. So that makes me be like that. Just slowly retarded just drink it and it just takes my brain function away but i guess if you're around a group that you're not super comfortable with and you guys all start drinking you start loosening up i can see how it it turns into a fun thing but for me drinking i'm like fuck that is it's the worst performance dehancer out there and i really care about how my, my sleep obviously i really care about how i train because I have to, I do these podcasts too, and I have to be a coach to a lot of people that are looking up to me. I'm like, I don't want to just feel like fucking shit willingly, so I don't really like to drink too much. But, but like I said, here and there, if we go the week after Sean's fight, if we go to uh, Miami for Jake Paul's fight, we probably will drink a little bit. But yeah, I'm just not a huge fan of it. Man, you pick. It seems like you're picking up stuff, and it, I know I really admire and it's impacted me a lot how much your coaching experience in fighting and your fighting experience as well is it's given you when you analyze somebody and they're in that we're in that world like your world right there in fighting you're really good at getting deep into you know who that person is I've noticed and analyzing them and like you had made I think it was Nick Diaz you noticed that he just had some of the characteristics of somebody that had probably abused alcohol and it kind of took him down down a spot do you think that's true well, probably he looks weathered, but he has trained in box and been in gym wars. I'm sure his whole life, mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, and he definitely looked weathered from a little bit of alcohol. Do you like to drink once in a while? I do. It's a it's a back and forth thing. I didn't really drink much until it, the whole cancer stuff hit. I was you know started experimenting with stuff. I had a at a doctor uh, early on in the first year, and I was in a really deep uh, treatment in Osborne Medical Center, this old town Scottsdale, and. He came into the room the first day and he said, I'm Johnny Walker. Call me Johnny Walker. And then from then on, it's, you know, calling Johnny Walker. This guy come and visit me, uh, stayed long extra with me, talking deeply about stuff. And one of the key, the chemo that we were doing, it was a chemo blend. It actually had alcohol in the bag. And they found that with some of the chemo drugs, the alcohol actually helps it process through your liver better. So it was the first time I thought, hey, there might be something. Maybe there's some health benefits. You know, alcohol is always mm-hmm. thought of negative. So he sent me across the street and with my chemo bag, I wheeled over there and he had me, he'd order ahead for me for a couple beers and stuff. So I kind of started to, to use alcohol as one of the chemo uh, blends, one of the chemo meds, the hops and the alcohol to help me get mm. hungry. I found, of course, if I went too far with it, especially on the, on the raw days, it would completely backfire on me, dehydration and things like that. But there's been times where I believe there's stuff in, inside of, you know, it, I think just slamming tequila and something like that, of course, mm-hmm. that's going to be unhealthy, but I, I'll hit some craft beers. Like there's one with orange nice. peel and coriander and I'll drink those and, you know, get a little buzz going and it, you know, merges with the other chemo drugs too. And it kind of has worked out. Yeah, that's probably nice. Yeah. My, my dad and uh, my brother are really into to beers and stuff, which is pretty cool. If you like different beers, man, your brother's um, a cool guy. He, he's we got, we've been, we've been making plans. We're going to try to, I'm going to try to get up there, him down there to try to go out and have a couple craft beers. Love Dude, that did, guy. He, did he invite you up to his? <laughs> yeah, he did. You got to take him up. on. <laughs> I that. want to so bad. <laughs> his, his fucking setup up there in it's hell. Amazing. It's pimp, man. Yeah. He, that's he, a life. <laughs> yeah. He's a pretty cool. Did you get the vaccine? The vaccine? Uh, no, it's it's weird with me because all of my va- baby vaccinations were wiped out, and it does something different. I got kind of a backwards, upside down, you know, uh, immune system. So when I do get vaccines like the flu shot, it ends up giving me the flu and then into pneumonia really bad. So we're kind of we're kind of trying to time it. I'm uh, scheduled ahead. We've had some delays to go to a a trial. It's called a CAR T trial where they re-injure near my T cells uh, in Houston, MD Anderson. So they've been kind of we've been trying to time maybe when we do that right after it, we might hit me with a couple of vaccinations. But the whole the whole COVID thing, um, I kind of lean towards uh, I'm probably on the side of being a little on the negative side of, you know, I, I just trained through the this is just me, but I trained through the whole thing. I was going into the gym, but sweat's dropping into your eyes and stuff. And I actually got healthier and maybe I'm a different weird you know, system, but I just noticed that people that were staying inside and being unhealthy and stuff, if they got COVID or if they even got a virus, it would take them way, way down. They start to become, I think a lot of it was in the mind. You get scared, you go in the hospital, the doctor puts you on a ventilator and everything goes down. And I may be off about this, but I was training. I was in in the gym uh, sometimes three times a day, sweating and training, and I'm I'm alive still. So. Hmm. So you, so how long does, on average, or is it just so different, how many times do people go through chemo and survive? Is it like, is there usually a certain amount where it's like, ah, oh, this is their 10th time, and then they usually pass? Right. For blood cancer patients, that's leukemia, lymphoma, and multiple myeloma. Um, it's, it's pretty standard if you, you go through probably two years of chemo, 
the the you know and i don't like to do odds but the odds are much worse that you're going to survive if you don't cure it by then usually it's you've gone through so much your body's been put through so much oh. that you're not going to survive for other cancers like lung cancer breast cancer and things it kind of varies some of the chemos that people do now they're they become so good and targeted at not messing up cells but getting after that uh cd the 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 uh, cancer cell that they need to attack, they've gotten so good at it that people aren't experiencing as much side effects now. <clears throat> yeah, it's fucking wild, dude. That's wild, crazy shit. And along the way, was it's kind of, I'm trying to, I've been trying for a while, I'll get called to, for a time I would get called to do motivational speaking or speak in different groups and stuff like that. And along the way, it was three years ago, there's a world record for doing the most chemo. And I set that that world record about three years ago. So, so now it's smashed. <laughs> so now I'm trying to, you know, figure out, okay, never, never, not the world, not the record that I wanted to set, but I'm trying to develop myself now so that I can, you know, provide for my family and get the message out and battle cancer and do the things that, that I'm passionate about. The problem has been when you get sick, it's kind of, you got to kind of take a step back. So chill out. I got to have that jujitsu patience. <laughs> Damn. So you, yeah, you probably gave them a lot of hope to a lot of people though, that are dealing with it. I wonder what made your body so fucking like <laughs> tough and be able to handle it. I don't know if it, I think, I think, um, I just tapped into, uh, just making that choice to move. I think I, I believe that exercise Sorry. exercise is the number one uh, health benefit. It's the number one counter to any illness. And I've always been an exercise nerd. So I exercise on average four hours a day. And it doesn't mean that I'm, you know, move, doing crazy and sweating the whole time. I'll do study other different exercise positions and things like that. And I think it's that factor to to where the the doctors and nurses are like, hey, you got to cut back on your exercises. This is happening and things like that. Going harder on that that end, I think, has been why my body has become like resilient, more resilient. And then this chemo on on now, it's pretty strong. Four years ago, I did the same chemo, and it took my hair, it took my fingernails, my eyebrows. I just looked, you know, messed up. Now we're four cycles into it, and it's almost like I'm like a cockroach resistance. <laughs> like I can't, like it's not taking out stuff as much. So some of it's resilient. Some of it's just adjusting, you know, like I, I guess I, I think I got a black belt in cancer, you know, battling cancer or whatever. Yeah. So over time you just, you, you make that decision to keep coming in every day. You gotta, you gotta get up when you don't feel like it. You gotta move when you don't feel like it. I think those are the factors that keep somebody. And there, there's other people that fought harder than me and lost their lives. Sometimes I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing, too, especially I can't... It'd be different if you didn't have kids. It'd be like, okay, yeah, and a, and, and a wife, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, is there a point where it's like with the kids that you almost like secretly, not secretly, but prepare them? Yes. Uh, just uh, to be able to go on with life? Good question. Man, that's that's a good one. That was That was immediately my problem at the beginning. I was okay. I was like, but the kids, I was like, they're not going to remember me. It was just, it was eating me up. So I, I, I just started to, you know, I mentioned, mentioned I'm a, I'm a God guy. So I do, mm -hmm. do a little prayer. I, uh, uh, just put it, you know, I, somebody told me actually a good friend told me that how do I think I could be a better father and our father in heaven. And that really helped me just release control that I had to, ah, I got to be their father. They got to remember me. But at the same time, I did everything possible to survive. It's probably the first uh, priority and the first motivator that 
you know, motivated me to live. So with the with the two boys, I would just, when they were old enough to learn about it, I would kind of tell them, yeah, daddy's sick with cancer, a little bit of illness, and, you know, kind of keep it short and simple. If they have questions, always short and simple and finish it with love at the end. And that's, these two guys have become just amazing uh, at dealing with things like cancer and with their friends and helping them and things like that. So they've, they've been, they've been awesome with it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, because no one, no one ever teaches you like, I'm like lucky enough too. like, I've never had like a loved one die, but what to do when a loved one dies? Like, what the fuck do you do? And like, my only thought would be, okay, obviously, maybe go see a therapist. But there's just so many podcasts out there with probably experts in that area talking about what to do with your brain when you just can't stop thinking about it and how to cope with it and stuff. So that's like, that's probably what I would do. But I'm like, that's like the, yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. I've never experienced a loss of a close one. And uh, although friends that you get really close to or mentors that I've had in the the whole cancer world, you know, we're in this whole kind of subculture of people and then your best person dies and that's like, oh no, I'm going to be next. And everybody kind of, you know, changing the stuff, but I, I don't think anybody can prepare for it. And it's, you know, I admire people that have suffered loss and they endure through it. It's a tough one. Yeah, it seems to change people quite a bit. It seems to change people quite a bit. And they, not and not everyone, but the people I've seen that they've had loved one dies, it's like they, yeah. yeah, it's not not good. But maybe they're, like I said, maybe they're coping with it the wrong way. That's why I would just be like, okay, I got two options. I can fucking just be depressed and be sad and same thing. Yeah. Or I can look and learn from the top people and learn what the healthiest option to do with my brain. I think when you're in that place that you kind of mentioned that that spot where you just can't get over, it's this overwhelming shock and you're just, you're so deep in it and it overwhelms everything. And no, you can't go wrong with getting up and moving. It's like, there's this this uh, guy I met in the hospital, he, he told me he was in an, like elite Navy SEAL training and it was like they're preparing for some special operation and through that training, they were put into a really deep hole that they couldn't climb out of. And they kind of, you know, kind of torture him a little bit or, you know, not full torture, but spray him and throw stuff down there. And he was like, I can't get out. He tried everything. And, and the, the uh, commanding officer said, why don't you build a step, build a step. So he thought, oh, yeah, I can build a step. So he dug and he'll build a step and climbed his way out of there. And I think each person has to decide, you know, you got to you got to make that step. You got to build that step and climb on out, because if you don't, you're just going to be stuck in the hole. Yeah, fuck yeah, that's good. That's good. What else you got planned for the day? How do you go about planning your days? It's really, I have to really react at first. Uh, it, you know, that a lot of health advice says you got to fall into routines. And I think I think that can be really good. So I was always trying at the very beginning, trying to, okay, I'm going to get up at six. I'm going to go about this time. I'm going to follow this routine. But, you know, it's just like a fight. When you, you don't, you get kicked, all of a sudden your whole game plan changes. And that happens quite a bit to me where, different treatments and different things are happening, different changes in the body. I just got over an infection that really nasty infection got in my bloodstream that almost took me out. So that changed things. But typically I, I'll wake up at four in the morning and then I go back to bed later because in the hospital, I probably spent a total of five years in the hospital. They wake you up at 4am and they poke you and stuff. So I kind of try to always keep myself in a in a state of being ready, but following to some sort of healthy routine at different points, kind of like, uh, I think Floyd Mayweather, I noticed that he doesn't follow like a set uh, training routine, 
but he's like up at 3 a.m. sometimes and he's training and he's to, to be able to react at different, you know, at different mm -hmm. times rather than just following a routine. And then you get you get thrown into a mess and then you can't cope. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah. I bet it's crazy because what was probably your longest stint in the hospital? Oh, let's see. Might have been two months. I've, I've always managed to be able to at least get home to visit and then I got to go back and uh, just get hooked up to. Exactly. Machines. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll let me, they know that I can recover better at home. And most people do. I can recover better at home and kind of now I'm at a point where I can kind of manage my whole stuff um, at home. And Ara is my wife. She's a, she's a caretaker. She was a caretaker. Um, when I met her, she was taking, when I met her, I met her through her father who was battling cancer and he passed. So she's, she's there to help me quite a bit with that stuff. But Lost my train of thought. No, yeah, just in, and, brain. in and out of the hospital. <laughs> yeah, Being yeah, in and out. Yeah, so they take. I'm, I'm so fortunate. I'm in bone marrow transplant care, and it's like my second family, and uh, they, they just, they just care for me so much. They, they know me like inside and out because they've seen me at the point of death so many times. It's like I've got these big sisters there where they, I can walk in the room like Kyle, you're messing up. You haven't been drinking enough water. I'm like, dang it, how'd you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's fucking impressive, dude. Impressive, too. Especially for all the people out there wake up and feel far, sorry for themselves. Me, me, me. And they got perfect health. And they're waking up and they got that, that weak mindset, that uh, poor me mindset. I'm not doing as good as everyone's doing on Instagram and all that shit. And drive themselves crazy. But then you wake up. You're dealing with all this shit. You come to the gym just fucking positive as fuck. Smiling. Just a great teammate and just a great person to be around. It's pretty fucking badass. It really is. Dude. Thank you, brother. Feelings mutual, man. It, I'm just so grateful. Like I said, it's the best best community of people I can imagine. I, best, best. I love fighting, fighting forever. It's like we all share a lot of the similar passions, and then we have some unique differences. And I've just loved learning, learning from other people in mm -hmm. there too, new things, and it's just a beautiful thing we got going on there. Yeah, and there's some fucking there's some real talent too, Ooh. some jujitsu talent and MMA talent, and it's been uh Have you done any of Drakkar's classes? Yeah. Oh man, I tried to, I tried to do that uh, a couple weeks ago, and man, it's a good class, but I wasn't ready for it. I ended up puking halfway through it, and brings the intensity. <laughs> man, the intensity is there. It's it's a it's a beautiful. I think he's got a, I think he's got a gift for coaching he's yeah he's which is beautiful. awesome because he he talked to me a couple months ago and he's like hey man i'd be interested in coaching and it just came up at the perfect time because he never was a like a real head coach of anything so him wow. going in there and just starting you know what yeah. i mean he's done he's done a good job which is he, pretty awesome he's a smart guy and i noticed the guys are seem to be really motivated by him they want to you know it's you know as you you have said that it's so important if you want to do MMA, you got to keep coming in. You got to be committed. You can't miss no matter what. And I think he's done a good job of motivating that class to do that. Yeah, keeping them, um, keeping them account accounted, like, that's the word, right? Yeah, I think so. Keeping them accountable. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and that's the thing. You just see that so much. There's so many guys out there with such good talent, good athletes, good background, everything's right, but they can't show up to practice. That's it. He's a great talent, but they just can't show up to practice. And and that it don't matter how fucking talented you are, how good of an athlete you are at a certain level, do that, you think do, that doesn't it, matter. Do you think some of it's because it's the feeling of getting embarrassed or, or you're going to go in and you're not feeling your best that day and you're going to look bad? 
Yeah. Yeah, but the, 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 those days happen too. Yeah, maybe that a little bit of ego could be involved in it, but I think it's just, who knows? Everyone's dealing with different mental shit. Everyone. So if you're not super, super passionate about it and you don't come in on your own, just because you love to practice, then you're probably not going to make it. If, you, if you're coming in there just for a certain, like to look cool for the chicks... <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. But if you don't, you got to just love the process of fighting. You got to love practice. And same with jujitsu. You got to love going in there because there's not a certain thing that's going to happen to make it like, oh, I made it. Everything's good. Man, once I make it to the UFC, everything's going to be good. It's like, no, it gets fucking harder when you get to the UFC. It gets worse when you get to the UFC. So you got to just love the grind of it and just love the camaraderie of it and love the martial art. That's beautiful. Man, I'm sitting here next to this guy and... It's like sometimes it's surreal. Like he's, a, I think you're the best coach in the world, man. I know I'm biased, but amazing coach. But then it's like you, both you and Sugar, you have these two. You got the Sugar show, and then you got Sugar. Mm-hmm. Like it, you're, you're like my bud, like my mm-hmm. bro. But then I'm like, whoa, this guy's amazing, <laughs> dude. And it's fucking weird because it's like, for me, it's like I feel like I don't know anything. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I don't when I when I see how smart there is people out there and how much especially in jujitsu and MMA and fighting there's just so much fucking knowledge out there. I'm like, I appreciate that compliment, but I don't feel like I know shit. Isn't that awesome though that there's it's never ending? I mean, you can just keep learning and learning and growing. If it if you mastered something, then it would just get boring, right? That's yeah. what makes it beautiful. Yeah, fighting has no end to it. That's I mean, you're you can battle eternally. Yeah. That's what really got me fucking hooked on the in the gi, dude. Mm. Just like because I did all okay, I, I did striking religiously, religiously for probably ten years, ten years, and I did uh, wrestling pretty religiously, like sprawling and getting up MMA style, and then a lot of no gi jujitsu, not at the level I'm at now. But then I put on that gi, and I was just like a whole different fucking world. I think one of those cameras died, Jay. I'm not sure which one, but okay. Yeah, it's a, a whole different world, especially with the, with like the Brazilians and how they treat it, and how it's just really a part of their culture. Jiu-Jitsu is, and it's just pretty fucking sweet. And now being able to teach it and give back, I'm learning at such a like a a fast pace. Having to teach a program and being the head coach of the program, it's pretty, pretty fucking sweet. Man, I'm I'm curious, and if you got time, I want to get into a little bit of uh, religion, religion, God. Let's hit God, it. Let's hit it. Hundred percent. So I I. I Learn. I watch all of your, you know, I'm up with all your stuff and I have so much respect for how you handle your relationship. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, I'm a Bible guy. I follow, I try to follow the Bible the best I can, but I'm an open guy too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts? I know your background, you kind of had, you came up Jehovah's Witness and that's, that's when I got my opinions on. I'm not, I don't follow that whole, whole deal there, but I'm curious what your thoughts are like on God. Is it, do you believe yeah. there is a God and things like that? Yeah, it's just like I don't want to say agnostic means you don't believe anything, right? Mm-hmm. If you're agnostic, I think you're, but you're still open, right? You don't believe, yeah. but you're open. Yeah, it's yeah. just like I feel like if I said I do believe in this certain entity, I feel like I'd be I'd be missing something. Like there's just so much good stuff about a religion obviously and there's just so much stuff that it's like what that doesn't even fucking make sense right so it's just like i definitely there's got to be a higher power out there when i see a fucking bird flying around its feathers (laughs) and how it's soaring i'm like what that was just random that was just (laughs) random that this thing got created 
I'm and all you. these things that I see, I'm like, that. these were just random that these got created. I'm like, fucking, Man. I don't know. But then again, this is like, I try to look and do research on the people that are that have dedicated their lives to history and where this world came from and all this. And I try to read up that. But I just try to stay open-minded, like I said, and not be like, I believe this. Because I feel like when you believe this one thing, it shuts you off from everything. Yeah, that could be. That's a that's a that's a definitely man. I respect that a lot. I get, I've gotten over over time in this whole battle with cancer. I was kind of like, oh, I believe in God. I go to church and stuff. And when it hit, I was like, help! I was yeah. like, I got. I need to know now. Is this real or not? And in my experience, it you know God revealed Himself. But the the uh, the whole church thing and the the buildings and the religion. Whenever whenever I see now, I became very sensitive to hierarchies in places. So whatever whatever's going on, whether it's a business organization or it's a it's a church, I just see that that is one of the most limiting things for people. I think, and one of the most uh, I think dangerous things I think for people is to get into some kind of hi- hierarchy in our community. I think it'd be really easy if you were a person that said like, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take over this hierarchy. I'm, I'm the man on top. And you could probably have endless benefits from that. And I, I, I've said it before, I admire you a lot for, for not doing that. You've done a great job at leading the, the community. And at the same time, not having a, some kind of, you know, hierarchy in that system. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it makes total sense. And I fuck it. I've seen that in so many groups and in even different gyms over the past decade or more, those type of hierarchies. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't, uh, first of all, I don't want like almost to be like, a. I don't want that pressure on me. But then again, it's just like too, fuck, I lost my train of thought too. I don't know. It's just not. <laughs> Not something I, I want, but I can see how people with big, I don't know, with you see it in yeah. documentaries and cults, the way these fucking leaders start start treating things and start taking advantage of the people that respect them and start doing all this shit. I'm like, I don't want that. I want to fucking avoid that. I just want to do jujitsu and make people good at jujitsu. It's a tough one because you have I, you got to lead too, and there's got to be you know you, I, I see we get new guys that come into the gym and they they think that they got it down their way and they they don't know what they're doing they still got to they got to fall into the system and the organization you know what I mean but yeah. with, without you know they have to understand that hey we got something here and you need to follow the directions but don't don't follow me and just idolize me sort of thing yeah. maybe I don't know <laughs> oh dude that a hundred percent a hundred percent and just like yeah trying to be it's hard because, like, for my content, I like to be funny. I like to do all this shit. But then I, it's like I know I got these people looking up to me. But I'm like, as long as I'm just leading by example, hey. I eat healthy, take care of myself, yes. I care about myself, and I have good relationships and just nice to people, then who gives a shit what I'm doing otherwise, you man, know? I love your relationship. You, you're, you and Mariah together, man. Just the little I've gotten to know her, just an amazing woman. And the way you guys manage your relationship and lead other people to – especially to just not be stuck under a tradition or something that, you know, you're told like there's only one, one way to go about a relationship that you're, there's a, a whole world, even in the Bible, it talks about, it talks about uh, having, you know, if you're going to share, I don't know how to say it, like, mm-hmm. you know, share outside of the relationship or whatever. And in different scenarios there where I think a lot of religious people are like, ah, oh, no, never. You go, you got to be married and you got to do it this way. And you got to yeah. sign that piece of paper and come under the whole government and stuff. And I'm like, 
And then yeah, and then they'll be like, "Well, that that open kind of stuff that just doesn't work." I'm like, "All oh, does marriages work?" Right, man, man, no. <laughs> I don't think they do very much. <laughs> no, especially because it's you're coming in. Why do you? Why do we have to put it under a piece of paper in the government? Could marriage be you know in your community if you believe in like me? We put it before God in our community. Ara and I had a wedding three years ago, and we just she wanted to wear the dress. I was open to whatever, and we just put it under God and just. You know, just kind of didn't have any legal thing with it. And just that's our marriage. Everybody knows we're, you know, whatever we want to call it. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Fuck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the whole whole religion thing I'm super always interested in and always starting to just research more and look into things more and just super open-minded about it. Because there's a lot of things in the Bible, too, that I've been like, damn. That's like that hap- that did happen. Like how would they know that that happened and all in in different shit, but I'm just that that Anthony DiMello awareness. I think that is you guys recommended that to me and I've read that a couple times now and I think it's so good at representing kind of what you're saying about uh, agnostic belief and and there's so much good advice in there about how not not to limit yourself, just stay open to just to keep learning and that's that's just an awesome way to go about it what you're doing, I think. Yeah, hell yeah. Dude, fuck yeah! I feel like we could chat all day, but this cam- how much? How much longer on that camera's about to die, huh? I'm not too sure. You got to the six minutes left. Oh fuck! Yeah. I'm trying to go Joe Rogan with you today, like three Dude, hours. Dude, I could, but we're trying to. <laughs> no, we're, I understand. We're working on getting a plug for the cameras so we don't have to deal with that. <laughs> I know these guys have stuff to do today. Just have to sit here. <laughs> no, but dude, I'm so glad you came in. I'm thank happy you for part of the fuck this group. man. Lucky thank to know you, and I think a lot of people at the gym get learn a lot of lessons from you, and you don't even know yeah. it. So it's badass to have you. I feel the same. All right, brother. Hey, brother. Have a good Thanksgiving. Man, love you. You too. Peace.